It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And I want to welcome back our friend Chris Mano, who, of course, was a superstar at Hofstra, had a tenure in the NFL as well, a little bit with the Kansas City Chiefs, and lifelong Jets fan, very opinionated, always has the spicy takes. Glad to have him back on the show. Chris, thanks so much for coming back on, man. As always, brother, thank you for having me. A um, lot going on. I mean, the season's theoretically over but the season for us and this team never seems to end there's always new crazy stuff to talk about so let's let's crush it so chris let's first get into the fact that last week people were asking where you were and i said the reason you weren't on the show is because at first we thought you had dehydration and then we realized that you actually had a concussion (laughs) and so we had to pull you from the (laughs) weekly lineup Obviously, I'm making a joke based on what happened to Zach Wilson, although it's certainly not a joke what happened to Zach Wilson. But I do want to talk about this. And you're a high level athlete who obviously played in the NFL and college football. So you have experiences that might correlate to this or you might know somebody that went through this. I have a friend who used to play football. And at one point, he scored a touchdown. And in scoring the touchdown, he started to feel wobbly, fell down, fainted. They ended up taking him to the hospital thinking he had a concussion. It turned out it was severe dehydration. And that was when I found out, this was a couple of years ago, that severe dehydration and a concussion have very similar symptoms. So as soon as I heard that they changed it from dehydration to a concussion, I wasn't all that surprised because... I saw all those hits to Zach Wilson. I saw how wobbly and weak he looked. And I know about the similarities between the dehydration symptoms and the symptoms that you would get for a concussion. But everybody sort of turned this into a conspiracy theory, which was strange to me. I guess a lot of people don't know about that. Talk to me a little bit about what you thought as it was unfolding because the story kept changing. In the end, I think what really happened is the Jets just didn't realize what was going on. And I think they were sort of trying to cover their own tracks because they may have unknowingly put Zach Wilson back out there with a concussion. You heard his mother say that Zach tried to play. I guess he didn't really want people to know what was going on, even though he was sort of shaking out the cobwebs. Talk a little bit as a high-level athlete what that experience would have been like and then, of course, the conspiracy and whether or not you think it's as ludicrous as I do. So what you're saying is people on Twitter swore that they were experts on something they didn't really know about. <laughs> huh? Imagine that, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I tweeted a couple of pictures like during and after the game that have gotten kind of like a ton of run. I think I, I mean, I got one from my one from my DVR and one I got from somebody else and just kind of forwarded. This poor kid was running for his life and he was getting smacked all over the place. So like, 
to think that this kid had a concussion, it, I, I, I can't believe he only got one. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's the same, more of the same. Uh, there's going to be conspiracists for everything. Zach Wilson has obviously become a real hot button, as I, as much as anybody, has probably learned in the last few months. Anything you put up with Zach Wilson, man, if you want to you want to gather your clicks and views, put his name in there, man, because people are people feel one way or the other about Zach. Uh, from what I've heard, I mean, I heard Berrios talk about it a couple of weeks back. I've heard anybody I've known uh, known of or or heard speak of, aside from these Twitter experts, um, they swear Zach Wilson is the ultimate competitor. The kid never wanted to come out. I mean, if if I was Zach Wilson, like I, coming off the game that I came off of, I wouldn't have wanted to come out. I would have tried to build some confidence. But look, he he was getting smacked around a lot. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, the body is seventy percent water. So when you don't don't feed it water, things start to shut down. So yes, drowsiness, uh, blurry sight, and the body just not functioning properly as it's supposed to are all symptoms of not being hydrated properly. And as athletes, look, you can sometimes think that you have a grasp on it, but your body does crazy things. You get adrenaline dumps when you're playing. You get crazy amounts of dopamine when you're playing. It's There's there's all sorts of things that happen in the body where, you know, and then look, these guys are trying to push through discomfort and pain, especially that guy, I'm sure, after so many people questioned his character and his commitment to, to playing, I'm sure that guy more than anybody wanted to play. Look, I put it as much on that spotter as anybody, right? Because they did pull him off the field and the independent neuro neuro uh, surgeon or whatever the, the doctor's exact uh, title is, pulled him off the field, looked at him in the blue tent, and he was out before the next drive started to, to go back in, right? So you'd think it, that, and that's not even somebody associated with the Jets is my understanding. So look, I don't know if we'll see him the rest of the time. I don't know if that's the last time we'll ever see him in a jersey. Uh, with a green jersey, but um, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens going forward. It looks like it's going to be probably the Brett Ripon or Trevor Simeon show next week, right? So, more great quarterback play, I'm sure. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Chris, the offensive line is not going to help whoever's back there, whether it would have been Zach Wilson or, as you said, the rest of the way, Trevor Simeon or Brett Ripon or some guy that they sign out on the street. The offensive line was as bad as we've seen it. This past week against the Miami Dolphins. And with Makai Becton, you watch him. You wonder if it's just a matter of him trying to play through an injury. And that's why he's playing as poorly as he is. Or maybe he's mentally checked out. I'm not sure. But it's kind of shocking to see what's been going on with him. But ultimately, I was curious your thoughts on this with the offensive line. We know that they have two guys that are playing right now. that really aren't NFL caliber players. One of them, of course, is Billy Turner. But... I also was curious about the coaching and the scheme and all of that because Becton did talk about miscommunications and guys not understanding where they were supposed to be. So how much of what we're seeing is a lack of talent and how much of it is poor coaching and scheming? Because I feel like that's not getting enough attention here. Well, there's so many things wrong with it. I mean, I said I, I try not to just blatantly be disrespectful because, look, I was not a good and by, by NFL standards, I was not good at all. And I hear people tell me every day, like, but your NFL career sucked, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable being at the bottom of the top 1%. So to be disrespectful and say these guys suck, I try not to do that. But, I mean, they're as bad an offensive line unit as I've seen in my years watching football. 
I mean, I, I'm still of the belief that you could have put prime Michael Vick back there as elusive and athletic as he was, and he's getting killed back there. Like, there's no way. There's pictures where four guys are running after Zach Wilson while four Jets offensive linemen are in full-on chase mode. And there's pictures where three offensive linemen are blocking one another while Bradley Chubb free rushes Zach Wilson and absolutely put him through the ground. Um, I think a lot of it, again, is always going to come back to the the million different combinations and units that they've had to play this year. I think they're on their sixth or seventh right guard. Uh, Becton been out for two years. The Becton thing, I think, look, I mean, he's got things. He's got physical gifts, and he's got – you know, he's got the first round thing attached to him, which is kind of going to come off after this year. So I don't think that that carries as much stroke as it did when he was younger. I think, honestly, I think Aaron Rodgers loves him. So I think that 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 bodes well for him. Um, but I also think you can't teach 6'8", 360 and athletic. So I think, you know, I think they're, uh, he's, he's a hard guy for me to quit on. I Granted, he played very, very poorly. I think he was, account- I think he was responsible for three sacks this week in the first half. Um, but he also remember after being out for so long, took off season reps, most of the off season at the right tackle spot. So they had to slide him over to left, which is something he's been doing since he's a kid, I'm sure, but hadn't done at the NFL level in over two years. So, you know, maybe cut him a little slack. Uh, as far as the rest of the, the unit, I mean, you coach what you have. So, I mean, someone's going to have to fall on the sword. I, I would bet money on it. The offensive line coach is going to go. They're going to have to scapegoat somebody. It looks like after Aaron Rodgers' uh, McAfee appearance that the same three jokers that have been here are going to be here, right? It looks like Hackett's back. It looks like Salah's back. It looks like Joe Douglas is back because Aaron Rodgers co-signs for all of them. So it looks like they're going to be here. So you got to kind of deal with that. So the offensive coach, offensive line coach will probably fall on the sword. But you know what? I mean, he's been put in a tough situation. I think a lot of it falls back on Joe Douglas, whose ultimate job is to have a roster that can absorb injury. And look, if you get 10 injuries, I don't care. I don't want to hear about it at this point, man. You've had five years to shore up this O-line. You rely on guys that are just constantly injured to be your starters. Like you had three-fifths of your offensive line was Beckton, AVT, and Dwayne Brown to start the year. You can't act surprised when these guys get injured and have no contingencies. And then you've had months to fix it. You could have made moves going into the to the, de- the trade deadline. You didn't, right? And you, it's almost like you didn't realize you put your feet up when, when you signed the quarterback and that was it. Going forward now, what do they do? They must address this. I think Aaron Rodgers kind of – I think he put an end to the Jets need to draft a quarterback uh, talk today. I could be wrong about that, but I think he just committed to two years minimum. So if I'm the Jets and I have a top five pick, I don't think I'm picking a quarterback to sit two years and look, maybe this guy decides he wants to play three. Who knows? You don't want to have a quarterback that you draft in the top five sit there for three years. So I think now the pick moves over to offensive line, which is where I would have probably picked the whole time. Um, So I think they start to address it there. I think they probably look in free agency. I think Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be in recruit mode. I think he understands. The guy knows football. Say what you want about him, but he knows ball and he knows he's not going to survive behind that you know, Swiss cheese offensive line they had this year. Don't be shocked at all if he makes a move to get Bakhtiari over here because he's due $40 million from the Packers. That's his homeboy, so I think he trusts him and believes in him. Obviously, another guy with some injury history, but he is only 32 years old. 
So you wonder if maybe he can kind of find some sort of resurgence if he gets his body together. And you go into next year almost, what do you have? You have you maybe Bakhtiari, you'll have a, have a Joe Tittman back. We'll see what happens with AVT. You know, we, we're going to rely on AVT. You draft yourself a first-round uh, offensive tackle, and, you know, who knows? Maybe we got a little something from there. But I think that's going to have to be the first thing that they address going into the offseason. I think Aaron Rodgers, who will be 40, and, you know, his mobility now in question is going to understand that, and we're going to have to go ahead and, right, Any anything aside from an offensive tackle with that early pick. You hope to not pick in the top five for quite some time. So you got to, you know, you got to get that, get that franchise tackle. Or I guess, man, I guess maybe you make a quarterback move for a franchise quarterback, but it's it's going to be a big pick for them. I can't see any way they're picking a quarterback in the top five or in the first round at all for a variety of reasons, not the least of which, like you said, Chris, Aaron Rodgers just watched this offensive line almost get three different quarterbacks killed. There's no way he's going to be okay with going back behind there. Plus, the offensive weapons in general, especially at the wide receiver position, very weak. He's going to want guys that can help him right now. He doesn't care about some guy who's going to sit behind him. And let's be honest, and I've said this before, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala both know they're fired if they don't win with Aaron Rodgers anyway. So there's no way they're drafting a quarterback that high to sit when they may not even get to reap the potential rewards of what they would do after they're gone because like I said if they don't win with Rodgers they're gonna be fired they need to pick guys that can help Rodgers win right now so I fully expect that if they get a top five pick it'll either be an offensive lineman a playmaker or they'll make a move down in the draft and pick up extra picks but I do want to talk about the current regime because you said it looks like they're going to be back and I agree I think barring something unforeseen Nate Hackett Probably the safest of all of them because of his close relationship with Aaron Rodgers, but of course Joe Douglas and Robert Sala in the mix as well. I had talked a little bit about how even though I expect Robert Sala to be back, and even though I don't think the Steelers are going to fire Mike Tomlin despite some rumblings, if the Steelers did fire Mike Tomlin, if I'm the Jets, I'm going Aaron Rodgers getting his blessing and then trying to lure Mike Tomlin here because a guy with his track record and his resume, who's never had a losing season, who's won a Super Bowl, who's been to two, who has seven division titles, who has a career winning percentage of 619, who has a winning record without Ben Roethlisberger, by the way, that gets thrown out all the time. Oh, he had Ben Roethlisberger all those years. What's the big deal about him? He hid behind a franchise quarterback. He's got a winning record with quarterbacks like Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett so consider that and I think he's one of the most respected leaders in the NFL there's not a player in the league that wouldn't respect Mike Tomlin and obviously he's the face of a franchise in Pittsburgh that would lend instant credibility anywhere else if he were to leave it would almost be like Andy Reid when he left Philadelphia I'm not saying that Mike Tomlin's as good a coach as Andy Reid I just mean a guy who has a long successful track record leaving the only place he's ever been a head coach to go somewhere else so to me that's a no-brainer people are given pushback saying what do you mean he's just a trumped up Robert Sala he's just another defensive guy who doesn't make anything better like I said he's one with some pretty bad quarterback play and by the way he doesn't have to be an offensive guru because he'd come in here and Aaron Rodgers would be here 
basically running the offense, Nathaniel Hackett would be in the background getting him coffee. It would almost be like when Peyton Manning was with Tony Dungy. You could have that type of dynamic. I wanted your input on this, Chris, because as somebody who's been in these locker rooms, as somebody who's had to respond to different coaches and such, I would think that if you're a young player, especially maybe somebody like Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, you grew up knowing who Mike Tomlin was, respecting who Mike Tomlin is, and the opportunity to play for a guy like that, I can't imagine what it would do for a locker room that has gone through all of this losing, especially when you know that this is a guy with a Super Bowl ring who's never had a losing record, all these playoff appearances, all the success. I would think that not only would he lend credibility to the outside world for the Jets, but he would also lend a ton of credibility inside the organization to the players inside the locker room who don't know what it's like to even win having a coach in there who doesn't know what it's like to lose. Yeah, make no mistake, um, Super Bowls or no Super Bowls in the last couple of years, Mike Tomlin is a big-time, culture-changing head coach. This guy is the kind of guy who immediately upon stepping into the locker room, he commands respect. He comes with a winning pedigree, which is something no Jet player, I I think maybe the Jets have two guys who have played in maybe Super Bowls or far into the playoffs, and that's something that that would immediately kind of infuse that into the Jets' locker room, which I think is vital at this point. I hear these Steelers fans on Twitter, and I'm just baffled that they're trying to that they're trying to throw this guy out of here. I tell them that from a Jets fan standpoint, the grass is not always greener. Trust me, you guys could end up going the next 20 years like we have eight, nine, ten different coaches every two years, a new guy at the helm, hoping you find a guy half as good as Mike Tomlin. 17 years, 17 500 or better records is just absurd at in in today's NFL where they're trying to make sure that there's parity. Like they're trying to make sure different teams win. They've shot, they've structured things so that that happens. Um, I think Nate Hackett, going back to the current regime, Nate Hackett to me is the least of my worries. I get it. A lot of people think he's guys never had success anywhere. He stinks terribly. He's so uncreative. As I've spoken about a hundred times before, having Aaron Rodgers there takes 90% of Nate Hackett's responsibilities away if he makes Aaron Rodgers comfortable and Aaron Rodgers is, just wants his boy to collect the paycheck, let him be there. Aaron Rodgers will make him right. He'll check in and out of things. He'll be able to atone for missed blocks. He'll be able to get the ball into the stands when he needs to. He'll be able to extend the play and, and make it when he needs to. We've seen him do it over and over and over and over again. Uh, Robert Sala is, like you said, he brings what you think Mike Tomlin brings in the way of he can galvanize a team he can get guys moving in the same direction you hope, but the guy has his, I mean, I haven't seen any head coaching ability from this guy. Again, all the things that you entrust in a head coach to instill upon his guys, this guy is not that. Uh, if you couldn't get jacked up and come out of the locker room ready for the game they played this week, no Tyreek Hill you find out right before the game, you got to be feeling good about that. And Aaron Rodgers looks like he's going to be cleared for, you know, Christmas Eve against the the oh, I was going to say the Redskins. Sorry, against Washington. Um, to, if you can't get, come out of the locker room ready to to play a game like that, that falls right upon the head coach. Uh, you know, we've seen it all year. Um, inopportune penalties, uh, coming out of the locker room flat and bad clock management. Just everything that you could do wrong, this guy's done wrong. He'll be a defensive coordinator again soon, I think. Um, um, Tomlin brings a defensive pedigree and a winning head coach pedigree. So, uh, yeah, now now to just to touch on another thing you said, I think this comes down to one of two things. I Obviously, if he's 
fired or released by the Steelers, I'm doing everything I can to get this guy in the building. I think if I have a chance to trade for him, I'm doing almost anything I can to get this guy in the building. I have heard a couple of lunatics this week say I'd trade that first pick for Mike Tomlin. I'm sorry, guys. You guys are out of your gourd. And as much as I love Mike Tomlin, he's got no tackles in his career and no yards in his career as far as I'm concerned. So if you think I'm giving away a top five pick when I hope it's my last top five pick for a decade, I'm not giving that away for a guy who's never going to be on the field. You can miss me with that crazy talk. I've heard people talk about it before. Nah, until I don't know that I've seen a coach that not with this many holes that warrants me getting. I mean, I'm I'm a chief. I played for the Chiefs. That's my second team, and I love Andy Reid. I'm not. If I'm a team that hasn't made a playoffs in 13 years with noticeable holes in numerous spots, I'm not giving away. Andy, I'm not giving away that top five pick for Andy Reid. I'm sorry. You need guys who can execute out there, and the Jets don't have that. So giving away a top five pick for a guy who's not going to be able to make much of a difference on the field. I'm sorry, man. Can't can't do that. So that'll be a, a, a lot of what dictates how I go about the the Mike Tomlin. But I, I'd put a call in no matter what. That's for sure. I'd put a call in. Like if I don't – even if they decide they're not going to let him go or they, they want to make a trade, I'm, I'm going to put a call in for sure if I'm Joe Douglas who, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at with the whole Tomlin thing. Chris, one thing that – bothered me quite a bit watching this game is for as good a job as Jeff Fulbrick and Robert Sala have done with the defense this year, not only with the way that they've called the defense, not only with the way they've made adjustments, but also with the player development. It drove me batty to watch what Jalen Waddle was doing because I know that the scheme calls for each guy to be on their respective side of the field, but it felt to me like Robert Sala got worked by his old buddy Mike McDaniel because McDaniel saw the matchup he wanted, which was Waddle versus DJ Reed, just said, I'm going to line Waddle up on DJ Reed's side every time so I get that matchup, and he got the matchup and it worked, and to me... Once you saw that DJ Reed was having so much trouble with Jalen Waddell, they should have adjusted and put sauce on him and had sauce cover him the rest of the way, shadow him, do whatever you got to do to take him out, especially with Tyreek Hill not in the game and not having to worry about Tyreek Hill. The Dolphins did it on their side of the ball. They had Jalen Ramsey shadowing Garrett Wilson. And to be fair to Garrett Wilson, obviously the fact that the offensive line wasn't giving the quarterbacks any time to even move or breathe, let alone throw, is a hindrance to his ability to be able to get the ball. But Jalen Ramsey really shut him down. So the Dolphins did the thing that I think the Jets should have done. This is a situation where sometimes I think the coaches are a little too smart for their own good. I know that they have a certain way of doing things, but when it's not working, I feel like you got to make an adjustment. And as far as I'm concerned, this is another example of Mike McDaniel showing why he's leaps and bounds ahead of Robert Sala as a coach here, because I can't imagine that McDaniel wouldn't have made the adjustment if he needed to. Yeah, I'll completely co-sign for that. I think Mike McDaniel has shown to be far, far better a head coach than, uh, than Sala. I also think that in this generation of football, I think offensive coaches you're going to go farther with anyway, simply because the game is so slanted towards offenses to be better. I think that's a big part of the reason we see offensive coaches like, I, and I put this in air quotes, coincidentally are the teams that tend to be winning Super Bowls lately. The game is so slanted towards offense. If you don't have an offensive guy who can go in there and maximize the side of the ball that the NFL wants you to maximize, that's an immediate hindrance. Look, their scheme doesn't call for Sauce Gardner to travel. 
So to change it in mid-game is kind of hard because it's it, it Fs around with the other 10 guys on the field. So I kind of understand that, especially in – look, I think DJ Reed's played almost probably arguably all pro level this year. So you know what? He had a bad first half. But I think when you go back and watch it, and I think immediately emotionally I was saying, DJ Reed's getting cooked. Get him off of him. Like figure out a way to fix that. Cheat another guy over the top, blah, blah, blah. But when I went back and watched it, the the scheme, Jalen Waddle was just, I mean, look, Tua did a fantastic job finding soft spots in these zones. He hit Jalen Waddle just when he was supposed to. And then Jalen Waddle makes guys miss. I mean, he's a phenomenal yard after the catch receiver. Um, and I think as much as it looked like DJ Reed was uh was getting toasted over and over again, he happened to be the closest guy. But in the scheme that the Jets run, once you get past a certain spot in this zone, DJ Reed is, you know, he'll fall off a little bit or or be responsible for something different. You know, they weren't running a ton of man of, of straight man on Waddle. So I get it, it could come off like he was getting toasted. But I don't think it was quite as bad as everybody thought it was. Same as people, you know, this whole year, I think there's there's been a stigma that Sauce hasn't had a good year because we've seen him be in the area when guys make plays. But if you really dig into the numbers, Sauce has given up like 145 yards the whole year. So, I mean, I, I think um, if you go back and watch it and kind of really grasp the schemes that the Jets are running, DJ Reed was the closest guy a couple of times, but I don't think it was quite as bad as – as it as it looked like, uh, you know, at first glance. And let's be real, man. Jalen Waddle on most other teams, he's a number one receiver. You know, it's not like he, he's a real good player anyway. So, you know, I'll take I'll take I'll give DJ Reed the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he had a not a great game for him, but I you know he'll bounce back. I think. And yeah, I mean, I I think that's again on the on the coaches, like you said, to find a way to make the adjustment, especially when their ultimate weapon wasn't playing this week. You know, cheat help over to DJ Reed, make Mostert beat you or something, you know. But, yeah, if something doesn't work in this league, it's the coach's job, as as always, to find a way to figure it out. Like, I don't care about, you know, you got to just find a way. Anybody who thinks Sauce isn't having a great year is somebody that's not really paying close enough attention and only looking to box score numbers. Agreed. When you don't test the guy ever, his interceptions aren't going to be high. You know what I mean? He's not getting targeted, and when you don't get targeted, you're not going to see a lot of interceptions. And look, to be fair, there have been a couple of times this year where maybe he should have come down with an interception, but you know what? Ultimately, I'll still take a cornerback that can blanket cover a number one receiver, take him 100%. out of the game Agreed. over a guy yep. like Trevon Diggs or JC Jackson before he sort of fell apart. That is a bit of a roller coaster ride, gets a lot of turnovers, but also going to give up a lot of big plays. That's sort yep. of a pick your poison Completely thing. Agree. I'm big on the guy yep. that can shut down the opposing wide receiver. Chris Mano, who of course I agree. is a Hofstra legend. And former Kansas City Chief, lifelong Jets fan, and now Spicy Take Haver on Twitter. Also doing some stuff with Fox Sports Radio, training some athletes. You got your hands full these days, Mr. Mano. How can people find you? What are you up to? And if people want to interact with you on social media, how can they do that? Well, you know I love when they do, so keep at it. I got my Twitter, man underscore O underscore steel 17. Probably better off just typing my name in. Um, I got my jersey on, so... Give me a shout. Uh, I appreciate y'all checking in. I actually really enjoy it, so keep it up, good or bad. Uh, and I do have some cool stuff coming up, hopefully after the holidays. Uh, maybe an episode or two from now, I'll have uh, some cool news to tell you. But until I uh, completely sort it out, I'll 
keep that one tight to the vest. So I appreciate it. Make sure you check out everything Chris is doing. Follow him on social media. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee.public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tee.public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. 